All right, then welcome to another episode of our soapbox edition of Modernize or Die. Uh, my name is Luis Mahano, and I'm not your host today, actually. Today, our host will be Jorge Reyes, as you're seeing here on the screen as well. He is with me. Uh, he is a business development manager for Orchard Solutions, and I'm very, very excited uh, to be sharing some time with him today. Not only does we work together, but he is a brother to me, a brother from another mother, and uh, I've been working with him for a long time and love this guy, and uh, I'm just very, very excited to, to share some time. Today's a, a special edition. We're doing a special edition uh, for Coalbox, so it's a 15-year anniversary uh, for the Coalbox framework, so we're very excited at Orchards. We're doing all kinds of piñata parties for Coalbox. But this edition is purely a cold box driven edition, and Jorge will be the host for today. So, uh, so maybe Jorge, you can introduce yourself, and then no longer will I be a host, but I will be your subordinate. <laughs> yes, I will enjoy that brief moment in time. <laughs> so uh, the the feeling is mutual, and and all the love and appreciation for sure. And um, I joined Ortus. I missed the six years of uh, the cold box life. Um, I joined Ortus in 2013. So I've been here for almost nine years now. But um, it's been an incredible journey. And it will be my pleasure to interview you today, Mr. Luis <laughs> Mahano. All so right. um, we're, we're here to celebrate another cold box milestone anniversary. So the first question, obviously, is uh, how do you feel about that, Luis? 15 years. Oh my gosh. It's pretty crazy to tell you the truth. Um, I cannot say that I, uh, no tears were shed because tears were shed. <laughs> uh, mostly of gratefulness to tell you the truth. Um, 15 years seems, uh, you say it so easily, but it's it's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of, of uh, long nights, uh, a lot of of just uh, effort and, and, and research that has gone into the development of this platform. So it's, it's really overwhelming once you start thinking about the trajectory uh, and not only the, the people that you've impacted, but the companies that you've impacted. Uh, just from an idea that for me as a, as a man of faith came from the Lord, right? So uh, knowing that is just, uh, it's just, it's, it's super exciting to the point where it did bring a lot of tears for me. Um, like I said, I'm very, very grateful uh, to be part of this in uh, 15 years, just uh, uh, it's, it's older than my daughter, <laughs> you know? So this is like my first baby. Totally. <laughs> and yeah. you know, time is tricky because uh, most people would say, you know, time flies fast, right? It goes by fast. And then um, you say, you know, 15 years, they went by like the blink of an eye. But then you start to actually look back into everything that has happened, all the projects, all the products, all the people, all the companies, all the challenges and all the hurdles and victories and defeats. And there are a lot. That's how you actually get a, a real gauge of everything that has happened through time. Because yeah. just, you know, the time lapse feels like the blink of an eye, but it's been, it's been quite some work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can see it in my hair, right? Uh, you can see all the, all the silver streaks now. So uh, you, you can, you can fairly, definitely feel the impact of the 15 years. But 
uh, like you say, it's it, it's great to to have a retrospective of, of everything that has occurred. It's important to see your past failures, your past uh, wins, right? And um, yeah, I think that as, as as I start thinking about it more and more and more, that's when you start getting overwhelmed because you're like, oh my gosh, and this happened, and this happened, and this created this, and this created that, and you know, for me, I just feel blessed, man, because I, I mean, I I started this, you know, alone, and um, as an idea and and man and it has evolved so much we're at orchards right now and we're like almost 50 people now uh, across the world and just from that seed uh that was that was planted right which was coal box that was the first box the first original box and everything kind of has sprung and evolved from it so it's it's incredible and it, it is overwhelming <laughs> Great. And, you know, the product development, product planning is a big deal in terms of, you know, keeping up with with new technologies, right? So I was curious about over the last 15 years, right, you've been in charge of leading kind of the the path for new development for Callbook. So do you always have a clear picture of the next steps or how do you come up with what to do next, what to tackle next, what to improve, what to change. How, how do you go about that? And has that process evolved through time as well for you? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question. I think that that has definitely evolved through time. I think at the beginning, it solved an immediate need, right? Uh, when I created Coalbox, I didn't create it because I woke up one day and I was like, hey, I want to create a framework today. Uh, it was a, a, about need. It was about a specific problem that had to be solved. Now, once that problem got solved, obviously, then you start seeing the impact it has. And then the collaborations start, right? So obviously, that's the beauty of open source. And everybody started looking at Coalbox, you know, through the first initial betas in 2006. And they start giving you feedback, and they start giving you ideas. So there's a big vibrancy, uh, you know, that happens through that that being born moment, right? So that 2006 to 2008, those first two years were just kind of like the big, like a big explosion, right? It was like just, you know, creativity, you know, making sure adapting to people's needs. How do you make it compete? How do you make it, you know, uh, work for everybody? So that was, uh, that was it. And then, then you start getting issues, right? <laughs> then life gets in the way, you know, Cobox was not my, my full-time employment at the time, right? Uh, I created Ortus in 2006 um, with Coalbox at the same time uh, as a consulting company, but I had a full-time employment, right? So in all reality, uh, the, the first big boost came in 2011 when I actually uh, started uh, full-time for Ortus, right? And, and, and that's when you start having more time, right? And with that time, I think that something that I've learned was to how to focus, right? How to, how to actually be disciplined, and, and, and start looking for ways to keep ahead of the curve. Uh, I think that if we're developing tools um, and we're innovating, we have, to, we have to be on par, right? So research is a big, big part of what we do. Um, I have lots of, of dedicated time to just do research, right? So I, I basically go through lots of languages, the majority of languages that I'm proficient with, you know, that would be Groovy, that would be Java, that would be uh, PHP, um, starting to do a little bit of a Kotlin, right? And 
and looking at these languages, Python of the late, and looking at other frameworks, looking at other libraries, looking at where we feel, you know, technology is heading. And then we start thinking, okay, how can we bring that back to the whole Fusion CFML landscape through Callbox, right? So, so I think it has definitely evolved. I think at the beginning it was very naive, right? It was just, you know, the, the forming years. Um, but as of late, I would say the last five years, which is which is uh, kind of curious, but yes, the last five years, I would say things have become very formalized in 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 planning, right? And I have spaces of dedicated time just for that, right? And to cast that vision of where we want to take the platform, right? And we've been able to accomplish a lot of things because of that to be able to dictate vision, you know, um, just like the word says, right? You know, have to dictate that vision in order to make it a reality. And I think that without vision, without casting it, and what I mean by casting it means by writing it down, right? So being able to write all the ideas, being even if they're funky, like I always love to say, uh, writing down all these funky ideas of what could be cool, what could we bring, even if it doesn't exist, just write them down and then you know start researching them. And that creates a lot of innovation for us. How, how often do you actually validate those ideas with someone else from the development team, for, for example? Yeah, I, th I, I think we do that weekly, you know, and, and obviously, you know, um, with the engineering team, we have our, our roadblocks every Tuesday, or at least we try to have a roadblocks every Tuesday, which is basically our internal meetings. And that's when we kind of present ideas and we present things that we're working on. And that's, that's usually the first kind of like, hey, I'm working on this, or this is, you know, something that I want to do. What do you guys think, right? So plus Slack, right? You know, I have an, an idea. I always pester Brad, right? Brad is a, is a great sounding board, um, mostly because he's a, he's a pessimist in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and Brad is always saying, no, useful that's a stupid pessimist. idea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Brad, if you're hearing, we love you. He'll help you uh, find all the faults in your idea. That's a good thing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so Brad is my go-to man, to tell you the truth, uh, in that sense. Um, it's a great sounding board and, and it, it really refines those ideas. So I would say uh, formally weekly, but it could be up to even daily at this point. Right. Just um, just to confirm a, a story I've heard, um, Brad was actually opposed to command box at the beginning, right? <laughs> that was one of the ideas he was against. Oh, yeah. Um, that ironically. Was... <laughs> ironically, yeah. So uh, in our, one of our first Ortus uh, meetups, uh, which at the time it was basically Bilgarut, myself, uh, Brad and Joel Watson at that time, because he was, we were trying to, to work with him full time. So it was just for like four of us, right? And um, obviously, had worked with NPM and with Maven and seen the impact of a package manager. Of course, in Cofusion, we had nothing, um, you know, a few little projects here and there that tried to make it happen. So uh, I actually started building command box in Node. Um, uh, believe it or not. So I do still have that proof of concept. It was built using Yeoman at the time, which was one of the uh, fancy NPM packages to actually build um, templatings. And so I did have a proof of concept of command box running on NPM. Um, however, it definitely felt so bad, <laughs> right? 
uh, we're building a package manager in a different language, but we had no choice, right, at the time. But we met uh, Denny Valiant, brilliant, brilliant dude. And he had a, a proof concept of a CLI based on Rilo at the time. So um, we met with Brad at that retreat. And we're like, Brad, I want to, I want to, I think you're going to love this. It's going to be perfect for you. This is uh, what I think is going to be a great vision for the Cofusion community. And he tore it up. He was like, why, why do we need a CLI to just install something? You know, download it from the internet, unzip it, put it in the folder, right? (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a hard time imagining that. No, 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 no. And uh, he had like yeah, five espressos. To, we, I, I had to give him five espressos to calm him down because coffee calms him down. And I was like, Brad, come on, man, you have to see this. <laughs> and so I had to convince him about it. Uh, and now look at him. He is all in heaven. Yeah, no, right totally. Now. So when we celebrate call books, we actually celebrate kind of the beginnings of an entire ecosystem of products, including command box, right? Test box, wire box, um, everything around it. So it's pretty exciting for me as well. But um, even uh, with all that, uh, Cobox is more than a product or an ecosystem, right? Um, it's it's also a team of people, right? And there's a company behind it, right? Namely, Orto Solutions. And um, I wanted to ask you if you could talk a little bit about that aspect of Callbox, Callbox as a team of people that are directly either working with the project or working for the company that actually allows the Callbox project to continue to evolve and be maintained. Yeah, that definitely is a great question to give insight into folks of, of how we operate, right? And how Callbox has evolved because, you know, it's been 15 years. Before it was me, all the build processes were on my machine, on my specific Mac. Uh, that was one of the things actually that Brad was like, when he started with uh, working with me is like, nope, we gotta get out your builds out of your machine, right? Uh, that's when we started working in with, uh, you know, uh, Jenkins at the time. So um, it has definitely evolved. It is no longer myself. So that that's a big difference between other open source projects, right? That are managed by one person. Uh, for us, uh, all of our projects are managed by everybody, right, uh, in Orcus, and everybody has uh, poured in to these libraries, and everybody's getting knowledge on these libraries to maintain them and extend them and manage them. So uh, it's 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 eerie, but because obviously you're not involved with everything anymore, you, you just can't. So for me, I, I I love being able to see the visions and to cast these visions for folks. Um, and uh, of course, Callbox is still, you know, kind of my go-to development. I would say Callbox and Contentbox are my two major projects that I do. I would say eighty percent of the development on them. But uh, Orchard man- manages all of them, right? So everybody in the team can get in there, fix bugs, help people, and that—that's so important. I think nowadays for open source is that it gives validity to these projects that multi-million dollar or billion dollar companies can build their infrastructure on this software that will be maintained, will be available for them. And there is, you know, the bandwidth and the people to support it, right? And to, and that is constantly being developed, right? And I think that's, a, that's an, an important factor nowadays is that the majority of frameworks, and in, this goes into other languages, 
right? We, we've seen, for example, Grails. Grails has gone up and it's gone down, you know, it has been sold to another company, sold to another company, right? So you see that some of these, these frameworks go up and down in, in, in their lifetime, right? And the majority dwindle because of that, right? They dwindle because it's a single developer, you know, they no longer either interested, right? Or they have other projects that come about, right? And that doesn't become their focus anymore. So um, that's why I think that with us, you know, that, ha that has been something that we definitely wanted to make sure did not happen. We wanted to make sure that this was managed correctly, professional, just like the word does, right? Professional open source. And that has been a major difference for Coalbox and all of the ecosystem is that we want to make sure that our clients can't rely on us, that they know that we're there for them, that this, yeah, it's open source, but man, we, we pour so much into this uh, to make sure that this software continues to evolve even when I'm not here, right? So good questions. Totally, hopefully totally. that gives you an insight uh, to folks outside. Yeah, of no, definitely. I think it's important to make note that um, there's an entire team behind uh, the effort, right? Um, maybe not all the team members in Orchards are dedicated to call books, right? And you're leading it, but um, there is a, a formal company and organization behind it, making sure um, they have a, a solid business strategy and operation for the next five, 10 years, right? Um, so, and then that Orchus is actually invested in cold box for the long term, which is great. It's shown, right? Because there's a consistent development path of new things and new ver versions, new updates. So that's important. So in, in your opinion, Luis, how, how has cold box impacted the Confusion community through time? Well, obviously I'm, I'm biased, right? Because <laughs> I created it, but totally. at least for 15 years, uh, you know, I, I can I can definitely see. I mean, it's amazing to see how many companies are using it that you have no idea sometimes that they're using it. So, you know, when companies come to you and they're like, oh, you know, this is General Electric and we use Coalbox, right? Or, or, you know, this is, you know, NASA and we're using it for this and this and that. So it, it's just really amazing, right? It's really amazing to see that. Um, of how many companies are using it to build their, their software, right? So I, I think that Coalbox through this 15 years has made a big impact in the sense to, to keep ColdFusion relevant because we have kept all our tooling relevant. And like, like we mentioned before, Coalbox is just one box now. now. Uh, you know, the whole ecosystem around it is what we're pushing thanks to Coalbox, right? So from command box, from the CLI, from the package management to forge box, for that software directory to be available for folks around the world, right? To content box for a formalized CMS and all the different, you know, services that we're offering and extensions to engines. I think everything spawned from there. And, and that's what we want. In all reality, everybody at Orchards knows that our missions, is, you know, our mission is to take over the world, right? Is to create the best tools that we can to make a cool fusion you know, explode, right? So our job is to to be those evangelists uh, to to basically raise the flag and say we can create amazing amazing things. You know, not only amazing tools but amazing projects based on Cold Fusion tooling, right? 
So I think that is our, our mantra, right? Is we want to raise that flag. We have taken that flag. We want to run with that flag. And we, we know firsthand the impact that we have. We've created so many different projects. And I, you know, I have worked with many languages and obviously every language right now has, is, is so similar right now, right? Uh, we're we're at, a, at the age where there has to be some type of evolution, just like AI, right? And blockchain and all this stuff, because these languages are just up to par to each other, right? It's just a matter of flavors at, at some point, right? Of preference of how do you feel, but, um, and, and that's why it's important for us to kind of raise the bar in everything that we build. And, and I, I would say that for the last five years, I think we've even accelerated more uh, as our team has grown of the development that we're producing uh, for all their stuff. So I think the motivation is higher now than it was 10 years ago. Yeah, and I think the, the data favors um, your theory because uh, we've seen an increase you know, in legacy migrations, in people interested in in uh, using Cobox for uh, new implementations from scratch, mm-hmm. and um, you know, even moving from frameworks uh, like uh, Framework One into Cobox, right? We recently done that uh, as well. So it's a pretty interesting um, thing that we're seeing, where it's like uh, a true revival, right, um, okay. of of people for using sure. CFML that want to modernize, which is great. So in our 10-year video uh, for Callbox, uh, five years ago, basically, one of our users, a Wrecking Ball, said something that stuck with me um, because he said he was counting on Ortus to continue to push things forward into the future. Um, he said he, he was con- counting on Ortus to push to do that because there wasn't anyone around that could do the same. Um, so I was wondering, how do you feel with having that level of responsibility, at least from the people, which there are many um, out there that perceive you, the development team at Ortus, as kind of the leading innovators in the space. And um, uh, do you feel any special responsibility towards those people and the community in that sense? Yeah, I I think so. I think that you know, we've we've kind of made a name for ourselves to be go-getters, right? And to be extremely motivated. And, you know, the reality is the software vendors, um, you have their own agendas, right? And for us, our agenda was, you know, how to empower developers, right? Um, with the best tools available for, for them to build, you know, their application. So I, I, I think I, I gladly take that Right. And because we're, we, you know, we have the motivation to do it and we're doing it. Right. So I, I feel, I feel great about it. To tell you the truth. I feel like, uh, like we can do even much more. Right. And I think that sometimes the, the, the vendors hold us back sometimes. Right. Uh, because we would like them to move as fast as we move. Right. And, and, and that's something that we're always going to be pushing them, uh, you know, so they can move faster because obviously the rest of the world is not stopping. Right, it's, it's actually accelerating. So, I think that the, the software vendors need to move faster, right? And and we're making sure that we push them as much as we can as well. And and as we grow, because we've grown organically, you know, or I don't know if anybody knows, but Orchus is, is self-funded. You know, the we have no venture capital, right? No investors. This is just something that has grown organically through years, and through God's grace, and it has built that momentum through hard work and 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 that intensity, right? 
And as we start growing and we start bringing these highly motivated individuals, you know, sparks start flying, right? And new products start developing. I mean, this year we're going to have so many new things being released because of that. And that is exciting, right? So I think that it, it, it was really prophetic to a point, right, of what he said, because, um, you know, we, 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 it was it, like you said, right? We, 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 we paid attention to that quote and we were like, man, yeah, we, we, we better kick some butt, right? We better do this. And I think we are. I think that the tooling that we have available right now, it's even a lot better than in other languages, hands down, hands down. So I know that we're still not there yet. I think that there's still a lot of, of, of ground to be covered, right? Of course, there's still work to be done. But I think that right now, the tooling that is available, and it's coming very soon as well. It's going to be uh, amazing for our language to be noticed again, right? And now I think it's important for people, for developers to start using them to create amazing applications. Because the way that, that we're gonna come back with that you know, revival is not by the language itself, is by actual solutions developed under that language, right? So developers, you know, students, and the people can pick this up and actually create you know, the next notion, the next, you know, Facebook, whatever, right? So I think that people need to, developers need to be able to grab these tools, which are all free, right? And go create, you know, great stuff. And that's going to bring that revival back into our community. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. And uh, have you seen any special uh, reactions towards the projects in terms of contributions or, you know, even patronages, right? We have a, a patron project where people can go there and support Oros open source. Have you seen that change in the last five years uh, evolve, grow? What is your perception on both contributions to open source and in terms of, you know, commits, pull requests, and um, also in patronages? Yeah, I think that that's a, and that those are the good indicators that we always present that into the box, right? Is is what's going on with the community, right? And and we definitely have those indicators where we are happy that it's moving, right? And it's moving in the right direction, right? So our, you know, I think we crossed over a thousand pull requests merged at one point, and we're getting. What's exciting to me is to get pull requests from people I have no idea who they are. <laughs> that's the most exciting thing. Like I got two yesterday for a cold box, right? And for, you know, for uh, the 100 CFML book. So it's it's exciting that to see those pull requests come in and you're like, oh my God, who's this person, right? And the code is awesome what they're giving back, right? And so we can definitely see a huge, huge uptick in, in pull requests for the whole gamut, right? So not only cold box, but command box, content box, people getting involved in all of these projects. And that's exciting. And then the patronage, you know, we, we started it just like, hey, let's start it, right? We, we never really focused it or, you know, uh, it wasn't our primary focus. But I think that as we started developing more services, just like CFCasts and Forgebox and, and our podcast, I think that it, it started to make sense to dedicate some time to it so people could actually, you know, see that they could be part of it, right? And 
our patronage has, has increased tremendously. I think we're we're almost at 95% now for the podcast. I think it was 95 or 93, I can't remember. But we we are almost fully funded for the podcast itself. And then we have other goals, right? Such as the, you know, the hosting for Forgebox and Command Box artifacts, right? And you know, we we pour a lot of money. People need to know this. We pour a lot of money into these projects you know i think that our when we did our end of year you know we poured almost 40 or 30 grand into forgebox itself right and obviously we don't make that money back at all in for forgebox right but we do it for for the love of the community and we do it because you know we feel that that's the right thing to do right and we know that eventually those seeds will produce fruit right so so we are big believers in being able to plant and, and, and to follow that, that principle, right, of, of, of seeding, right? So we know that that, that seed is going to produce fruit at one point in time, and our job is to just focus, plant, 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 and one day we'll, we'll see that germinate, right? And so it's, it's important for us that the patronage, where now if you become a patron, you get not only to contribute to us, but you get something back. Right? And I think that has big, a big impact, right? So you get part of the services, right? So if you're a bronze patron, you know, you get access to CFCast as a full-time member, you get access to Forgebox as a full-time member, and we're going to be adding even more perks, right? So we have more services that are coming throughout uh, hopefully 2021 and 2022. You know, we have uh, Content Box Cloud coming, we have Ortus Cloud coming, we have Timebox coming, Right, uh, so we have lots of other things that are coming, and and these patronages, which are basically becoming part of Ortus uh, to support us, are going to be part of it, right? And they're going to have access to all of this. Yes, and um, to add to that, I was reviewing the other day kind of the profile of the different supporters, right, in Patreon, and um, it was interesting to see there's a wide spectrum, right? There's, you know, the people that are you know, feel thankful towards the projects and they yeah. are willing to pledge, you know, five to 10 bucks a month, which is more than welcome. It's helpful, yeah. right? It, it all adds up at the end. Yeah. So, and there's the other ones that go to the, you know, upper levels of the, uh, of pledging, you know, bigger amounts, uh, $500, $1,000. Um, and interesting enough, some of those uh, companies or people are the ones that are true fans of the Ortus initiative, right? They're they're supporting us through Patreon. They purchase, even though the CFCast membership is included there, uh, they would go there and subscribe to CFCast anyway. And you would say, hey, um, why, why did you register for CFCast, right? You, you already were a patron, yet you're entitled to that. And he would go, it doesn't matter. I just want to help. <laughs> and um, <laughs> because they're so committed to what we're doing, right? So it's it's awesome to see and there's definitely a wide spectrum there and a lot of things in between uh, for in terms of our supporters and hopefully that will continue to grow as we continue to provide um, value to, to our users. So that's yeah, awesome. I mean, I, so I in terms of, yeah. Yeah, no, I can definitely attest that, you know, whatever is made through that patronage, I mean, we squeeze it. I mean, you can see it. Um, and, and here's the fact, you know, the, the, our, our open source budgeting is, is, is not that high, right? Um, you know, 
some maybe someday we'll release those numbers, but it's not very high, right? Um, we 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 don't pour that much into into open source in terms of you know gazillions of dollars to to build open source, but uh, we have become very effective in writing it and spreading it. So I think that that's that's what makes a difference. So with that patronage that we get right now, I mean we produce a lot with it, right? So. Uh, even though 10 bucks, they go very far. Totally. I think that goes as well along, on, along the lines of having responsible team members as well and a mindset that has a great appreciation towards time. Um, to clarify that a little bit, uh, I'm not sure if you remember one of our clients approaching to us um, for a project that we were working with different companies right? Uh, it was a multi-company project. And they would come to us and say, hey, your guys' time logs are not adding up, right? Uh, where, where's the rest of the hours missing for the day? And we would, <laughs> Because everybody was just, you know, clocking like regular office hours from eight to nine, whatever. And then uh, they would say, but you guys are are doing are producing more work in less time. So something's not adding up. And we'll go there and say, we just bill for the work we do, right? If we're, not, we're not working. We're not building you. And when we're working, then that's where you know, all the experience, all the knowledge that team members have actually reflects on the productivity as well. Yeah. So that, that has a lot to say in terms of the, the $1, $5, $10 that somebody trusts Ortus um, for the development of tooling is going to be well used indeed. Yeah. All right. Sure. In terms of um, new technologies, Luis, um, talking about, you know, the next five years, uh, are you looking forward into integrating any specific technologies? Are you exploring new technologies? Um, where are you with that? <laughs> you want me to spill the secrets then? <laughs> so Just whatever yeah, you can I share. Think- yeah, no, definitely. I think that um, it's always interesting to look at the past, right? So for the past, let's say that before we look for the past, that's for the next five years, maybe we can start with the last five years, right? So the last five years, we were at Cobox 4, right? So Cobox 4 was one of the biggest architectural changes for Cobox. That was at the beginning of 2016, I believe. And that's when we moved the entire Cobox core uh, from that big monolith into modules, right? So that's when, you know, we reduced, if I have these numbers correctly from that time, I think it was 85% of the source code in Cobox was removed. And it was, it was basically removed because it was partitioned into all the modules that we started building for the ecosystem. So in all reality, I would say the last five years is when the modular ecosystem started to explode for Cobox. Okay. Modules were introduced in Cobox 3, actually by a patron, and uh, they paid for that feature. Cobox 4 was the one that cemented it, and basically we, we adapted it. So Cobox, that's the, the modular or the hierarchical MVC um, era started five years ago, right? So that was one of the big architectural shifts is to bring hierarchical model view controller patterns to Confusion, right? And to this day, in 2021, there are a handful of frameworks that support hierarchical MVC, 
It's just a handful, okay? Um, there are not very many. I mean, I think PHP, which has the largest, you know, open source base, has probably two, okay? Uh, in Java, it, I probably feel it's only OSGI that adapts to that, okay? So one framework. Um, and I haven't seen anything else in other languages, okay? So I did my research for that because I was doing a, a presentation on it. So I could probably say probably five that have that have adapted this pattern. Uh, obviously, it's it's not an easy pattern, but thankfully we 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 nailed it, right? And we still have lots to go with it. So that will be into what's coming next. So the modular architecture was kind of our big push forward, right? For Cobot four. That's okay. This is the vision where we want to go. We want to get away from the monoliths. We want to focus on modularity. That's also when microservices started to get big, right? And the containerization started to get big. So when we did Cobox 5, right, that was the, the next big push is containers, right? How can we make Cobox the best framework for building microservices, right? And APIs, right? So, so Cobox 4 was the big push for modularity. Cobox 5 was the big push for microservices and containers. And then Cobox 6, right? Um, basically, this is the new frontiers. This is where we're, 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 we're casting vision now, which is non-blocking, right? Which is, is basically asynchronous processing, parallel processing, serverless processing, right? So now we're, what we're looking forward to is being able to execute Cobox at the most minimal level. Right, and that is from actually we're you know thinking about having Callbox in such a way where it can be started up in you know in a fuseless action uh, in the cloud, execute one event and that's it. Right, or uh, looking at scheduling. Right, we have a big 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 release just for scheduling tasks. Right, and this has been dramatic uh, for for Cofusion. I know this is fairly new. Um, you know, the, the documentation is fully there now, but is the ability to do scheduled tasks from the code level instead of, you know, the traditional way, which is, okay, putting it in the Cofusion engine, right? Which is super restrictive, right? It's super restrictive. Uh, what happens if you're in a cluster, right? Who's going to be now the master containing the scheduled tasks, right? Uh, you can only execute HTTP tasks, right? So you have to make holes in security in order to allow that thing to come in, Right. And then you think, uh, okay, maybe I'm going to do it in Jenkins, or I'm going to do it in GitLab or another CI server. But then you're still outside, right, of trying to make calls in, right? So there are always issues. So we have done it where the actual framework itself controls that. It's a nice human-friendly DSL where you can say this needs to run on all servers. This needs to run on one server, right? This needs to do hourly, weekly, monthly, on the last business day, on the first day of the business Right, so all this great, uh, you know, language descriptions. So for you to run these tasks, because the idea is for us to be able to execute these, even if we don't have a server. Okay, so we're bringing that also to command box. Right, so command box is going to be able to actually have scheduled tasks where at the operating system level. So now at the operating system level, we're going to have a full cron enabled ability. Right, right from within command box. So the next, you know, future. Is it's going towards scheduling, towards tasking, right? Towards things that are not producing the traditional server, you know, client response, right? So we're moving towards that 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 approach. There, we're also moving into parallel processing, right? We're introducing the ability to do parallel computations, especially within 
uh, right now we say Coalbox, but the libraries inside that do all this are available for any library. Okay, so that means that um, it's part of Wirebox, it's part of Logbox, and it's part of Cashbox. So any Cold Fusion application, any Cold Fusion application, no matter what framework they use or no framework at all, if they in, want these abilities, they can just install Wirebox or Logbox or Cashbox as a separate library. Okay, it's a standalone library and leverage all these functionalities. So we're, we're, we want to help the entire community, not only the Cobox community, with these asynchronous computations. So non-blocking IO scheduling is something that we've started to already put out there, but we want more in the future, right? More abilities for tasks, uh, you know, from uh, creating actual managers for these tasks, right? So you pull UI systems to manage all the tasks, in multiple clusters, multiple nodes, we want to bring that over, right? We want to be able to visualize all the asynchronous and parallel programming so you can actually have a visualizer. We have the Cobox debugger uh, that we released as a major release this year. It is a mini, mini APM, especially for Cobox applications. Um, works great even with Fusion Reactor. It can send information even to Fusion Reactor for longevity. But within your app, you have a full inspection of everything that is going on with Coalbox. And that's what we're trying to, to bring to developers is exactly what's going on in your application. Even from Hibernate ORM, you can actually see all the different things, all the different uh, computations that you're doing. We actually have access to all the scheduling tasks as well within the debugger. And we have lots of plans from an Electron app. So you can actually have it in your desktop and you can connect to remote Coalbox instances and actually uh, see them, right? And uh, we're also going to be working uh, on WebSockets. So I uh, already started research for this and casting division for this. You know, Adobe Confusion offers WebSockets. They've done it their way. I know there is a Lucy extension that does it, but we're going to be doing it our way, okay? And so this is going to be uh, as, a, as a module as well. And the ability is to bring real-time processing to Coalbox um, in the next you know, three to six months, right? Just to bring this, this, this vision that we want and to bring that real-time ability for developers, right? So native WebSocket modules is something that, that, that we already started in research phase, right? And we have a new project, thanks to Mr. Grant Copley, for the next vision for the next five years is reactivity at the co-fusion level. So I know, you know, frameworks like Vue.js, Angular, React have become incredibly famous because of this, right? Um, however, it brings complexities, right? You have to do it that way. You have to have a build process through Webpack, all the configurations, right? You're in JavaScript land. You have to adhere to that framework, uh, which is separate from the Cofusion framework, right? So it brings those complexities. So what we've done is we've ported Livewire. So Livewire is a project that exists for Laravel, which brings reactivity to the backend. Okay. And uh, we have now already a proof of concept that is going to be released by Into the Box. Implementation is in process. If people are interested, we'll probably put it in the show notes as well. But this will allow Cofusion developers to actually build components, view components. So when I say view components, not Vue.js components, but Cofusion view components, okay? Uh, with binding, with data binding and reactivity. Okay, so we have built that bridge thanks to the LiveWire JavaScript project, and we'll, we'll take care of all that. So you just focus on building these small encapsulated and 
decoupled components that know how to render themselves and will take care of the reactivity for you. So you can build very expressive and very dynamic and very reactive applications without you knowing even JavaScript, okay? Obviously there'll be extension points where you can tap into it and build your own JavaScript controllers, right? And all that stuff. But just with plain ColdFusion and ColdBox and the new conventions that we're introducing, you're gonna be able to write these expressive and dynamic applications just like you do with Vue, just like we do with React, but without the, the added complexities. So I think this is gonna be a game changer for ColdFusion developers. Uh, you and I both know that, especially coming from the legacy world where ColdFusion has been around for more than 25 years, right? People have built applications that way, right? And they don't wanna get into, okay, now I have to not only do an MVC framework or maybe use an ORM, but now I have to learn also another you know, front-end framework and then learn how to do state there. And it, it, it's overwhelming, right? Uh, I, it was overwhelming when I started learning Vue.js and all that stuff, right? Um, it's, it's not easy, right? So I, I, that's why developers sometimes shy away, right? They don't want to enter into that modernization phase because they feel that they, they have to do both. So we're targeting that and casting that vision for the future to be able to offer this as well. So obviously, Cobox works fantastic with any front-end framework, whether it be Vue.js, React, or Angular, or Sven, or whatever, right? Um, works perfect, works fantastic, lots of hooks, lots of libraries for it, but this is also gonna be an alternative for those cool fusion developers that don't wanna go full in into API mode. They don't wanna go full in into a JavaScript framework uh, they just want to. They just want to do cofusion, right? Um, so we're, we want to cater that. So so that we're we're focusing on that as well for the vision. And once we have the WebSocket support, we're also going to even accelerate the data binding because we're going to use the WebSocket channels to actually do the reactivity um, as well. So so I think that for the next five years we have a lot. Okay, apart from, we haven't even talked about all the cloud services we want to bring over from you know Content Box Cloud. Right, and Ortis Cloud, so, for, so you can build your Cobox applications and just from the CLI being able to deploy them. So we're, we're trying to build that infrastructure right now um, so, so we can make developers being able to push their apps through Forgebox as a hub, uh, right, uh, into the future. So, man, I, and there's so much to do uh, and we're so much, it's totally. crazy. You know? It doesn't seem that um, there's a, a lack of ideas in here. <laughs> so. No, man. Lots of great so functionality crazy. still available and more yet to come, which is uh, exciting. I always like uh, when I ask that question to you, you always, you know, you're never short of good ideas <laughs> for sure. So that's exciting. Yeah. Exciting to yeah, it hear is, man. all I think of that. that. Like I told you, you know, when, when, when we started working with, when I started releasing Cobox and it was that initial burst of ideas and then it kind of lags a bit, right? And it goes through that process. And I think right now we're at a, we're starting to to hit another peak, right? I think that especially as we grow and we have more team members and more uh, opinions and more backgrounds, you know, we have a new team member on the team from the El Salvador, Balbino, right? Um, and he had a, a gaming university and, and games, right? And that opens even another, uh, you know, frontier for us of maybe Ortus games, right? And how we can gamify Confusion, right? So I think that that is so exciting and having all this 
amalgamation of people in Ortas has really sparked more motivation than I have ever felt. So I, I, I feel definitely, you know, when you sent me today, actually a video from Jocko Wilnick, I feel like that every day now for some reason. I feel so motivated, like never before, right, to to create all these tools. And even from my accident, you know, last year from my from my biking accident, I think that, man, I, I went through deep uh, anxiety and lots of crazy stuff that I'll, I'll, maybe that'll be another soapbox episode. But um, that was something that I that happened um, that really changed me. Right. And uh, in a good, in a bad way, and in a good way as well. So since then, I think that the motivation is just skyrocketed for me. Yeah, no, totally. And like we were discussing earlier with the Chuck Will in the episode, that motivation was more than, you know, it's not how you feel or that you feel fired up and it's a switch that you're seeking to turn on. Motivation is all about having a motive, right? <laughs> so that you can go through the grind <laughs> and, through the end, right? And I think one, one of the things that are important is that you're a very passionate individual. <laughs> and I think that permeates through the entire organization. And I can see that when talking to, you know, some of the early comers that are uh, even starting their journey in some of the advanced web development technologies, right? And um, in, in the Roblox weekly meeting, uh, they would say, Hey, I, I really feel bad. I was, and I asked Abilio <laughs> why, and he he said because I just wish I can contribute in something. Everybody's just sharing stuff, and Luis is every every, every Tuesday he's sharing a new uh, implementation, or a new thing he's exploring and testing, and I'm doing nothing. <laughs> and I just told him there will be a time, man. There will be a time. Be patient. It takes it takes some time, but you'll you'll get there. But uh, you know they they. Just for for being part of the team, they'll they'll feed the need in contributing, which is great. Just yeah, just uh, for for making a an impact, right? And actually improving the way we develop web applications, which is great. It's great. And um, so I have two questions left, basically, Luis. Uh, I think uh, this one I just added last minute because I think it's important to to discuss that. Um, You've been very open about your faith, and um, you know it's publicly known. You 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 don't shy away from it. Um, so, and I I know it has rubbed people the wrong way more than once. <laughs> um, you know, uh, potential oh, yeah. clients, users, things like that. Even you know, business opportunities have been um, probably not fruitful due to uh, your open. Um, uh, declaration of faith, let's call it like that. Yeah. So, uh, how important is it for you to, you know, make that publicly known? And uh, would you help people understand what is the purpose um, of you, you know, including quotes of the Bible in the documents, uh, in the web page, and uh, giving honor to God? Um, because I think the people that are feeling that as, as an aggression, I'm 100% taking it the wrong way, and your intentions are are different than what people could perceive. Yeah. Wow. That's a tough question, man. Why did you add it? 
caught me off guard. Last minute, man. But um, no, it's, I think it's a fantastic question, and I think that it deserves um, um, definitely an answer. So obviously, I'm not shy about, about my faith. I think that um, everybody has different paths, right? Everybody's in different paths, whether they are religious or not religious, or they have a relationship with the Lord, or they don't have a relationship with the Lord, right? Everybody's different, right? And I think that's the beauty about us as humans is that we're not the same. And but I think that one of the important things is that everybody has forgotten to, to that we need to respect each other, right? And for me, you know, I don't want to go and be around and judging people just because they don't believe in what I believe, right? Um, this is my belief, so, you know, that's what it's called my faith, right? And I, I went through a whole process before I started Colbox and Ortus, where you know, I was a pretty crazy person, right? And um. For me, you know, having a relationship with what I call my God, right, my Jesus, is what changed me. Is what transcendently changed my life, my mind, my life, everything. And that is my experience and my path, right? And for me, it was very important to represent that, right, to not be, you know, gray. It's to actually be a specific color, right? Of, of representation of, of my belief. And I, I think that um, I don't go about and start, you know, pushing or shoving my beliefs in other people's throats. Uh, I'm not, you know, cursing at them or judging them. Not at all, man. I think that for me, when I started putting the, the Bible uh, verses on Colbox was mostly because that had made such an impact in my life that I, that, that I wanted to, to represent it, to write about it, right. To, 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 to basically be thankful to say, hey, this is who I was. And through, through this, you know, I got re- reborn, right? And, and I think that's, that's very personal. You know, it's a, take it, let's take a book, for example, right? Um, the majority of books at the front cover, they always have a dedication, right? Uh, I dedicate my book to my wife, my kids, right? My aunt, my grandpa, my pop-pop, right? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, you know, I dedicate this to my to to my Lord and Savior, right? Or or you have seen some things where it's like I dedicate this to my cat, right? Or I dedicate this to my dog, right? Or I left a, a you know, there, you hear about these people leaving a thousand million dollars to their pets or whatever. So everybody has a way that they live their lives, right? And they thank whoever they feel they want to thank, and I thank my Lord and Savior, right? And that creates controversy no matter what right but here's the fact you know i'm not trying to judge people i'm not trying to make them become a christian i'm not proselytizing in that sense right i'm being thankful of my salvation of what happened to me uh before i became a christian man and that's the way that i run it and i I always want to make sure that i live by by a golden rule right just do to others as you want them to do to you right and i definitely don't want to be judged and i definitely don't want to do all this stuff right so um, I know there's a lot of people that have come to me and were like, well, I, you know, I don't believe in God, you know, um, remove it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, good for you, right? You do whatever you need to do, but this is, this is my project. This is my, my blood, sweat, and tears that have gone through all time to build this. I'm going to thank whoever the heck I want, right? So you're not going to make me change the way I think, right, when you're actually not even building it. So if you come and actually build, you know, a thousand million hours with me, then you have a chance to name it as whatever you want to name it, right? But 
um, in that sense, I always want to be respectful, you know, and, and, and just show people love, man. You know, I, I that's the totally. most important thing. And, um, right? for okay. those, those people, like you say, you know, respect demands respect. They, they usually demanding something that they're not themselves ready to provide. So, um, it's an interesting, um, perspective that they have. But uh, thanks a lot for sharing that, uh, Luis. I know that means a lot to you. And uh, I think most of the time when there are conflicts is because uh, people are not measuring themselves with the same measure that they're measuring others or there's a misunderstanding um, of what your intentions are. So at least uh, I hope this helps clarify your intentions, um, which I think are re respectful intentions um all right so about the future going back to the future um when you look forward do you foresee any challenges for the cold box framework as a product and or to solutions as a company um are there any any, any specific things you're being aware of Well, I think there's always challenges, right? And some of them, you know, some of them pop up, right? And you don't know about them. I think one of the biggest challenges we are going through right now is growth, right? Is as we grow, things change, right? We cannot be a five-person company, right? Or a 10-person company anymore, 15-person company anymore. You know, when you start going through these different levels, you have to adapt, just like Uh, continuous integration, right? This is continuous improvement, right? So it's still CI in geeky terms, right? So I think Ortus is a continuous improved company. Things have to change. Things have to develop. We can no longer do things as we did, right? There are things that work. There are things that don't work anymore. And I think that is important so projects don't fail, right? And I think that as we grow, I think that having more people involved in the kind of the big open source Libraries is also very important for longevity, right? So these projects can survive and keep going for the next 10, 20, 50 years, right? So I think that the problem of longevity is something that we are right now battling with, right? How do we make these products survive us, right? How do we make them go uh, so they can continue? Because obviously these businesses, we want to support these businesses, you know, to the years to come, right? So longevity is a, is a big issue. Uh, adaptation for, for the team is a big issue. And, you know, we're always sometimes limited by the vendors, right? Uh, both Adobe and Lucy. And I think that um, we have great relationships with them. And I think we're always very transparent and candid with them. And we need to continue to be like that because um, we want to see everybody succeed, right? We're in the, all in the same team, in the same team. And, you know, we're, you know, they're not, they are, you know, competitors, but they're not enemies, right? So I think that, that that's an important fact for me. Uh, that's the way I see them, at least. And, you know, we, we need to make sure that, that we can continue to innovate, but we have to have uh, great relationships with the, with the software vendors because we need Lucy, we need Adobe to succeed. We need to see them Take, to, take it to the next level, right? 
and and, and we want to push them right we want to basically pester them as much as we can right in a good latino fashion right and say hey guys come on <laughs> let's get the ball rolling right get the ball rolling and uh you know you know us as latinos we always want to be mini dicta dictators right we, we want to be able to oh, have right. control and be able to just dictate so you know I think sometimes you need a little bit of a mini dictator to get things accomplished and get things done. So there are challenges uh, that we're facing right now and that we're going to face in the future. I think that is right, right now what we're going through is periods of growth. How do we handle that? How do we manage it right, with integrity and with, with wisdom? Uh, how do we move forward the vendors as well? right? And, and how do we keep capturing you know, battles? And, in the, the software development line, right? Totally. Thanks for that answer. Um, to wrap it up, Luis, uh, it's been great interviewing you for sure. I enjoyed um, this uh, small, a brief um, lapse of time where I could be the minute dictator for you. <laughs> and um, <laughs> exactly. is there a special message you would like to um, send to all Callbox users listening to you now? Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, I think it's something to be proud of the, uh, everybody that's involved with, with Callbox in any capacity, right? Whether they're just users or they are developing um, the framework itself with, with me or they are developing modules I think that it's, I'm, you know, I'm super thankful for this community, for the amount of work that people invest to take this to another yet level. And I, I just want to lay the gauntlet down and, and issue a, 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 a challenge, right? Which is to get motivated, to get focused uh, for the years here to come because we need to kick some butt. We need to build great stuff. We need to start building more modules. We need to start building more integrations. We need more CMSs. We need, you know, more apps, more services, and you know, leveraging the tools that we have, like Callbox, I think, can assist you to help you build, you know, so many good things. And that's what's going to bring vibrancy and and new blood into Cofusion and, and and to whole ecosystem. So, for me, it's a challenge. It's like, you know, you know, get motivated with us. If you need motivation, call me, man. We, we can do a chat. <laughs> I have a, a long list of to-dos that you can assist me with. So I want to make sure that these devs can, can, can get pumped up, man, and start building stuff. That, that's what I want. Awesome. All right. There you go, guys and girls. A inspirational challenge from the box creator himself, Luis Mahano. <laughs> Thanks a lot for your time. Really enjoy meeting with you today and celebrating Callbox 15 years. Have a good one, Luis. Ciao. Nos vemos.